The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Dodgy AF, that's all I'm going to say about that picture. It's Tuesday, the 19th of December, 2023. This is TNT Radio. We're coming at you live from the Gold Coast in Brisbane, Australia. Oh, we have a lot to get through here this morning on Open Line Show. I'm going to be joined uh, by Natalie and Gemma in just a minute or two. And then from 20 past the hour, right up until the top of the hour, we will have the phone lines open where you will be free to lift those phones and give us a shout if you so desire. And of course, we do welcome any feedback, whether it be interacting with us personally on the open lines or possibly uh, you could give us a, a message on the live chat, which is tntradio.live. And actually, if you go on there now, uh, it's always very, very busy first thing in the morning. And uh, we appreciate it because you know what? Uh, we like to read what people have to say. Uh, we like to uh, hear your thoughts and comments and even some links through to live stories that you put there on the chat. And uh, possibly we can pick those up and discuss them as the show goes on. In the second hour, I'm going to be joined by Darren Denslow, Gemma, and a, a new chap uh, to TNT, at least to Locked and Loaded, Phil Zimmerman. He's a UK comic. He's going to be coming on and chatting with me in the second hour as well. So plenty to get through here this morning. I just want to kick things off. Sometimes you think, well, you know what? I don't have much luck in life. You could be thinking to yourself, you know, luck doesn't favor me. I never get a break. I want to tell you a story that there's hope for all of us out there. Uh, in 1999, an Australian truck driver called Bill Morgan was involved in a serious accident that left him in a coma. And even though doctors said he had no chance of living, he miraculously woke up after 12 days and he felt completely fine, discharged himself from the hospital and away he went. So he was feeling lucky. So he went and, I, and he bought a scratch card for the lottery and he won a $17,000 car. Now, that's not a huge prize. You might be thinking, so what? There's been other bigger winners than that. But the news picked up on this, or this, the word of this got out, and because he'd been in a coma and survived and bought a lottery ticket and won a car, they wanted to make a news item. So they sent him back to the, to the same news agent and they said, we want you to buy another scratch card and pretend you've won another car. So uh, he went back to the news agent, the camera crew followed him in and when filming, uh, they asked him to buy that second ticket, which he did. So he scratched it off and to everybody's amazement, he won another $250,000 live on earth so the moral of the story is sometimes you can feel like bill morgan life isn't going your way you can be involved in car wrecks financial car wrecks spiritual car wrecks physical or emotional car wrecks you can feel like you're in a coma you can feel like you're never going to cut a break but maybe you'll just wake up someday and not only will you get a scratch card that wins you a car but you'll get another one that gets you a quarter of a million cool aussie dollars so the story of bill morgan is Take life one day at a time. Some days you're up and some days uh, you're down. But write it out and the good times will come around. That's a little bit of positivity. Uh, Malcolm Roberts uh, on the X platform, I'm looking here this morning. Uh, he's making a comment in the Australian Senate. The numbers of new visa holders that are flooding into Australia at the minute, uh, there's 5.8 million tourist visas have been issued in the last 12 months. And when you consider the population of Australia is around about 28 million, 
you know, that's pushing up on 25% of the population has been supplemented by tourists. 1.1 million work and student permanent visas have been issued in the last 12 months. Uh, he brought this up to the Minister for Home Affairs in the Senate. Uh, he dodged around the question. Uh, he prompted Labour's housing fund, which one nation opposed. The scheme is a con that will build a few thousand homes in total and allows the government to pretend that they are addressing housing needs. So basically what he's saying here is, and this is just to do with Australia, obviously he's only commenting on, on their behalf, Labour is flooding the country with millions of new arrivals and pretends housing is taken care of. It is not. The only way to fix the housing crisis is to turn the visa tap off, at least until the housing stock catches up. Think about it like your bath's overflowing. If your bath's overflowing, the first thing you do is you turn off the tap. Okay, you don't keep it going, you know, you deal with the blockage, you let the thing drain down to manageable levels, and then you can put the taps back on. That's what he's suggesting. Not a block on people coming into the country, not a block on people coming in to study or live or do whatever they have to do to work. He's talking about sorting out the, the crisis that Australia has with housing before the taps get turned back on to allow more people to flood into the country like they have been doing this year. So that's all by way of introduction. Brace yourselves because Natalie and Gemma are about to uh, land here in TNT Towers. We'll be right back in just one minute. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, just a quick question for both of you. Lottery tickets, do you buy them or not? And if so, have you ever gotten lucky, Natalie and Gemma? Um, this is uh, ironic because I have, haven't bought one in maybe 15 years. Well, I don't know when it started. It was a long time ago. I actually bought one on Saturday because I'm having the worst luck in my personal life. Like just one thing after the other, after the other. And after you just said that, it was like it was obviously designed for me because uh, I need my luck to start changing. And we've been discussing, uh, me and my friends, a lot about manifestation. Is it true? So maybe I, maybe I need more positive thoughts. Maybe I need to be like the guy with the lottery win because uh, I need things to start changing and being more positive, which they will in the new year, I've decided, by the way. But no, okay. normally I don't buy a normally a lottery ticket. Gemma? Uh, no, uh, no, not the lottery. What is it? Someone said it's a tax on stupid people. But, however, <laughs> having heard that story, I think I might because the, guy, the guys was clearly being looked after. It's clearly meant to be. I mean, the universe works in very mysterious ways. And by the way, Natalie, manifestation does work there's a brilliant book the game of life and how to play it by florence scovel shin it's nearly 100 years old that's the go-to book on manifestation that's the yeah. one absolutely brilliant so uh maybe a bit of bedtime reading there for you well yeah i read uh, the secret and stuff recently but um yes yeah, so it was a bit too americanized like hollywood eyes for me so i'll, I'll, I'll try that one Gemma. Yeah, just get it out really and do good. stuff. Yeah, just get out and do stuff. A lot of people dream and they have dreams and there's nothing wrong with that, having visions, having, you know, hopes and dreams. But a lot of people don't actually put their dreams into action. They don't actually do anything about it. And most of the time, the way to make things happen is just simply do stuff. Okay, so if you want to, you know, get a better job, you know, are you, are you qualified? Do you have the qualifications needed for a better job? Have you even been applying for other jobs? A lot of people sit around talking about how they don't like their life and they don't like what's going on. We've all been guilty of it but most of the time if you actually just start taking affirmative action towards reaching your goals and dreams you will find that you'll hit them just through dogged perseverance uh dogged perseverance what was it einstein said uh, genius is uh uh one percent inspiration and 99 percent 
perspiration. In other words, yeah, it's okay having a great idea, but you've actually then got to get up and make it happen. So I think a lot of uh, activity is involved as well. And a lot of people can't see, you know, great results in their lives, positive results. What say ye? Absolutely. You just nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it. You should write a book on manifestation because it is it is that exactly. It is about the doing and doing it in the right way. And I know, Natalie, you've got you want to come in there, but it's just like, for example, so say you're single, right? And you want a partner. So if you have a double bed and you're using the whole of the double bed, if you want a partner, you only sleep on one side of the bed because you're preparing the other side of the bed for the partner who's on the way. It's all about that kind of thing with manifestation. It's making those incremental steps for the things that you want. But yeah, you have to do it. You have to do it in the physical realm as well as in the metaphysical realm you can't just think about it you've got to incorporate it into all the aspects of your life it work. it does work though it really does I, I sleep by the way on any one side of my double bed but that's because i can't be bothered to move the pillows because i'm too lazy so it's not to do with manifestation uh, but and i was going to use cristiano ronaldo as an example because they say despite him being uh one of the or, or possibly the best footballer ever what made him the best was his attitude apparently in training what he put in was was better than any other person so what possibly made him the best footballer in the world was his attitude and wanting to be the best so uh, that goes in with what you were saying I suppose I haven't analysed this and I know nothing about this, obviously, but I would say the opposite is if you want a partner and you're in a double bed, sleep on one side. If you want to remain single, sleep on the sofa. That's all I'm going to say about that one. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we have an update uh, from you this morning, Gemma, concerning uh, the international health uh, regulations, World Health Organization overreach into possible future pandemic treaties. What have you got for us today? Well, it, it's an update, really. It's kind of a report, really, an overview on the debate that was held in the UK Parliament yesterday as a result of the petition that uh, the World Council for Health, who are based in Bath here in the UK, Dr. Tess Laurie and her team, they started a petition earlier in the year um, to get this onto the political table. And it was about the International Health Regulations Amendments, which obviously feed right into the World Health Organization's pandemic treaty proposals. They wanted to get this into the public arena, started the petition. They got over 100,000 signatures. They actually got 116,000, which meant by UK law it had to be debated. So yesterday in Westminster Hall, there was a very, very good turnout. The World Council for Health team went up. A lot of supporters went up. The public area of Westminster Hall was pretty packed looking at the photos. They, they had a lot of support. And there was also a gathering outside in Parliament Square for people to listen and watch on uh, YouTube, the live stream coming from Parliament TV. It was an extensive debate and a, a couple of very familiar names uh, in, in the UK political scene who do broadly take our side on these things stood up. So you had Sir Christopher Chope. He stood up and he referenced actually Dr. Pierre Corey's book, The War on Ivermectin, referencing the last few years of how the WHO tried to suppress this wonder drug, which is suitable for so many things, including respiratory uh, tract in infections, all sorts of things, actually. You obviously had Andrew Bridgen, who stood up and he raised the question that everybody raises now because you can't ignore it. It's the elephant in the room. He says, why does the World Health Organization make these false claims regarding proposals to cease 
country's sovereignty because what they're trying to do aren't they the who is go is adopt this one size fits all new pandemic treaty to every country in the world should there be another pandemic what do they know that we don't um but they're saying at the same time oh we won't take away country sovereignty you you'll, you'll be fine it, it won't really affect you well why have it then so he stood up and said look why do they continue to say it won't interfere we won't interfere when clearly that's what this treaty is designed to do not interfere control so he raised that question and then you had philip davis a conservative mp here um he said you know we should all be very concerned that we are sleepwalking into a disaster a top-down approach to global public health um hardwired into international law so you wouldn't have any comeback at all you have to do what you're told a single source of truth for all things pandemic which will be the director general of the world health organization ted ross who have the sole authority to decide when and where these regulations are deployed. Um, so it's really brilliant that this petition led to this debate happening. At the end, um, Dr. Tess Laurie, she, she stood outside uh, the Houses of Parliament. She said this is the start of a long process, a long political protest, a process to prevent decision-making power being handed to unelected, unaccountable, and this is an interesting word, unaccountable entities that seek to replace people's sovereignty with their own rule. Entities, she didn't say organizations, she didn't say individuals, she said the word entities. And I think that is very telling on maybe what she thinks is going on. But it, you know, it's a, it's a great uh, move forward. I think we've got progress. Um, you know, people talk about, oh, maybe Andrew Bridgen's controlled opposition, all of that stuff. I don't really care. The fact is it was on political record yesterday. Uh, the, the wheels are in motion. The petition had a lot of support. And I think all the sterling work from the World Council for Health on this matter is to be applauded because it does affect the entire world. Mm. Nat, what do you make of this? We covered this a uh, lot last year, whenever they first bandied this concept around that they were going to have sweeping powers. Everybody was going to buy into this, that if there was another repeat of the, you know, 2020 uh, scandemic, that every country would have to fall into line with what the World Health Organization said. You know, it didn't really take off last year. However, they did say that they were going to keep at it and at it and at it. And here we are in December of 2023. We're still talking about it. There's still like a dog with a bone with this one do you think they're gonna keep thrashing at it until they finally get what they want yeah it's an interesting one um a very good comment uh in the online chat by just a bloke who asked questions he said but the uk government has already made its position clear that there are currently no plans to hold a vote on ihr amendments and i think sometimes the problem with these petitions is as he's pointed out that they are stating at the moment, but we're not joining this. We're not doing this. There isn't actually plans for this treaty. But we know that actually the COVID inquiry isn't really an inquiry to look at what happened in the lockdown. Um, it was. It, it's basically so they can come up with the solution in the end. Oh, we didn't quite do things right. Let's all join the world pandemic treaty. That will be the solution. So they are lying at the moment saying that that's not going to happen. But we know, uh, unfortunately, as we're talking about sovereignty as well, what happens is, you know, they can say they're not going to do things, they can keep lying, and then they'll bring in an emergency law at the last minute. Or, like I said, the answer will be from the pandemic treaty, oh, we should have done everything sooner, and we should have done everything quicker. How can we sort that out best, Gemma? If we sign up to a treaty, we can make sure the whole world does it together, right? Isn't that, isn't that what we all want? 
Well, I, think, I mean, that's I think, exactly the point. Oh, sorry, I was going to say it's exactly no, the point. Ahead, just yeah. because there's no plan, just because there's no plans at the moment. Well, right. why was yeah. this thing ever ever mooted then? In that case, you know, and of course they're not going to suddenly say, "Oh, we're planning on doing this," because I think there'll be widespread uh, opposition opposition to this straight away. You know, people don't people in in the UK do feel very strongly actually about independence and sovereignty. We're Britain, aren't we? We're not renowned for our shy retiring nature. We we colonized three quarters of the world at one point or, or nearly. Um, so you know, that, I think that's why they're saying we've got no plans. It, MPs have been inundated, haven't they, with letters from constituents opposing this. They get the standard response. Should it happen, the UK will not give up the sovereignty. Don't worry. Don't panic. You know, but MPs are rattled about this one. I know they are. Should the sheer volume of correspondence they are receiving yeah i think uh you know i don't think it's going to go away but it's going to be a massive undertaking to get everybody to buy in yes. because if everybody doesn't buy in then you're going to have the uncomfortable position for example sweden if you can remember during the the first lockdown wave that came across europe they didn't do it uh, and they fared just as well if not better than all the countries that did uh, bring in these draconian rules and regulations and restrictions so i think the who desperately needs full buy-in on this one because they can't have outliers during the next so-called pandemic that are showing well well, actually, we're doing nothing of what you said, and it's not doing us any harm whatsoever. So 2024, it remains to be seen uh, what will happen with this one. But, you know, it's like everything else, digital IDs, the CBDCs, all this business about cyber attack, they keep stoking it. They keep it in people's uh, consciousness and, uh, you know, something to be aware of anyway going into uh, the new year. So thank you very much for your input on that one. Gemma, uh, I'll see, speak to you again in the next hour and we shall be right back after the short break here on TNT don't go away TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I, if I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying and it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. 
and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. next steps to space this time we go back to the moon to learn to live to work to invent to create today's news talk radio tnt okay 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 let's get the show on the road here i've been asked i've been requested just before we dig in here uh, by none other than james freeman he had a guest on yesterday and actually i referenced them uh, before a show came on it was a it was a chap in wales i think who was in a terrible car accident and uh, spent a long time in hospital they took him off uh, breathing machines and feeding tubes but now the doctors uh, want to restrict his uh, food and water and just let him die off in the hospital so he was on yesterday if you haven't already uh, listen to the interview i think it was the guy's mum was on with james and also kate shemarani was on with james so uh check out the interview on our website tntradio.life for yesterday for the freeman report but he, he's asked me just to make people aware that uh the sister of this chap is uh putting together a, a fundraiser to try and get legal fees to keep this guy alive because obviously he has a chance of life uh, and they're going to have to fight the system uh, using legal fees. So if you want to check that out, go on to James's ex-profile. And if uh, it's something that interests you, you might want to support it. But it's because Natalie, if I've covered cases like this already this year, children that have been told if you can get to Italy, for example, one child in particular, if you can get deadly, uh, we'll treat your child, even though the NHS wants to let them die. I think even Georgia Maloney was prepared to make this child an Italian citizen and get her out there for some treatment. But unfortunately, the child passed away before that was able to happen. So goes to show you, Natalie, uh, what is it? Uh, the Hippocratic Oath, which I don't think doctors have to take, swear to anymore, is uh, that you shall do no harm and you shall preserve life under all uh, circumstances. It doesn't always seem to be the no. case. In that particular case, I remember it very well. They actually, it was the judge and they turned off the life support. She didn't, she didn't die on her own. That's uh, three people we've covered recently with mitochondrial disease. Uh, Charlie Garb was one of them as well. And uh, in all three cases, it was a judge in uh, a court that has turned off their machine. Um, so it hasn't been that their life has just ended on their own. So yeah, really, really sad. And I, I, I can't see uh, what difference it makes to the court if the family can raise all that money themselves via a charity, just giving whatever it's whatever it is, what difference does it make to the court if they fly them and give them an opportunity for life? Why does the court have to take that away from them? Uh, it seems sinister to me. Um, it seems that they're scared that that, that maybe they will live. And then, and then it leaves uh, the option for too many people. Uh, and uh, obviously then the NHS will have to fund uh, people in the future. So that's what that's part of the reason, I think, anyway. Mm -hmm. And also don't forget that it sets a precedent if if one child is written off and consigned to, to death in a hospice or in some kind of uh, end of life situation. And of course, they can get over overseas somewhere and some other country can save them or some other uh, medical association can save them. Then, of course, that would mean a lot of parents in the UK then are saying, well, if they can do that for that child, maybe they can do that for me. So they don't want 
precedents being set i don't think that's, so that's another part of the sinister reason it's well, that's why i think that the judge came in late uh that that little girl was about to go to italy and uh, a judge basically came in with an emergency order to turn off the life support and i believe uh it's because charlie guard's parents would have had a massive uh legal case if that would have been the case if that child had lived can you imagine <laughs> they, they'd only six months ago said to charlie guard i've turned off your life support so if the child had lived uh, like you said, it sets massive legal precedents moving forward. So they're trying to protect their own asses, basically. Uh, and, and in the process, people are dying. So, yeah, yeah I, I will uh, go and give that one a listen as well. So a very, very sad story. Yeah, sobering one too. Just a shout out uh, to everyone in the live chat as well. It's been so crazy in here over the last few mornings that I haven't really been able to acknowledge people. Uh, Jane Black's in there, Lisa's in there, Red's in there, Hidden in Plain Sight is in there, Jethro, of course. Uh, so many people leaving messages here. It's very difficult to keep up with. One question that was asked in there, uh, Rick, uh, what do you think about the Saudis putting on boxing matches? Uh, well, you know, uh, they've got the money they can pretty much put together whatever they want. And of course, a lot of them are available on pay-per-view so people from all over the world can watch it, I think. And no one, Natalie, I think you follow boxing. Uh, recently, uh, Tyson Fury uh, fought a strange mixed uh, mixed martial art fight against uh, Francis Ngannou, who was the uh, ex-UFC heavyweight champion. And, and Ngannou knocked him down and took him to the distance. I think it really rattled uh, Fury's feathers a lot and I don't think if it had been in Saudi Arabia he would have took that fight or any that amount of money could have been generated anywhere else so it's strange they're putting on these uh, strange fights at the minute but it seems to be attracting it's, people to watch them it's just, it's just about money I didn't watch that fight but my boyfriend did he said that Fury hadn't even trained it looked like mm -hmm. it looked like he took he was happy to take a lot of money and as we know he's if, he's, if his mind's not in the right place mm -hmm. I think he was vastly overweight and untrained uh, and mm -hmm. And uh, uh, like people said, there's not a chance he's going to get a fight with anybody else at the moment based on that performance. So it's, it stinks of corruption. I love my boxing, but the way the uh, way it's working at the moment with the promoters is becoming a bit uh, like wrestling, like WWE, WWF, whatever it used to be called. Yeah, it, it seems to me the fights are set up. They're pre-planned. They look quite fixed. It's not the boxing I used to know and love. So uh, and with it going to Saudi, it looks even more that way sadly uh from what i can see so i'd love to see it different because I, I love my sport i love my boxing but yeah uh it, it looks like um just another way for rich people to make a lot more money and con uh the people that really love the sport yeah, a lot of money to be made. And also, just before we go to the news break here uh, in a second, uh, I got a message from Ivan uh, just asked me to give a shout out to little Carl in the live chat. I noticed she hasn't been on just as much over the last few weeks. Uh, little Carl, we're thinking about you and we'll miss you very much. And in case I forget to do it before the end of the week, I hope you have an absolutely epic Christmas out there. And the same actually applies yes. to all of you lovely people. It's hard to believe I'm wishing people Merry Christmas this time next week. It will be all over. It will be Boxing Day, I Yay! think. So anyway, yeah, Natalie's over the moon. Two weeks from now, Hell's Bells, it'll be the 2nd of January. Can you, Adam and Eva? But listen, uh, let's stay in the present as per right now. We've got to go to the uh, news. And when we come back, we've plenty to cover here on the table. So, yeah, stay tuned to the one and only TNT Radio. What time is it? Now, TNT Radio News. You know what time it is? Yeah! Time to read some news. Matt Boyland back again with a look at your TNT headlines. The US Senate will not be greenlighting any more cash for Kiev this year. 
Washington has once again reiterated the need for Israel to protect civilians in Gaza. Ukraine's military intelligence chief has admitted the country is growing desperate, with police officers and women likely to be called up to fight on the front lines. And the European Union is going after Elon Musk, accusing his social media site X of disseminating illegal content and pushing disinformation. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Okay, we're coming at you live here from the Gold Coast in Australia. Plenty to talk about here this morning. One uh, story in particular that uh, jumped out at me the other day, the NHS pays out 800 million pounds, 800 million pounds in compensation uh, over damages for babies suffering brain injuries during birth. Now that is a lot of money. You might be thinking, well, how many people and how many cases does that cover? Uh, this is more than 200 successful brain damage claims were settled by the NHS trusts in England over the last six years with more than 800 million pounds paid out in damages. Uh, that's crazy. When you think about it, uh, almost 400 successful claims for birth injuries resulting in cerebral palsy were settled uh, in the NHS trusts over the last six years with more than 1.5 billion paid out in damages. So this period of six years keeps uh, is brought up repeatedly here in this article, Natalie, but it's the, the amount of money that they're having to shell out in compensation, which of course, if your child's been brain damaged, they're left with cerebral palsy. It doesn't matter if they give each person a billion pounds. It's not gonna. It's not gonna change the child's life in any way, shape, or form. But it's the number of kids that have been affected. Like one, one in a while, you can understand. We're all human. Mistakes happen. Unfortunately, tragedies happen. But you're talking about four hundred cases here in the last six years. That's a lot of babies. Yeah, it's it's absolutely horrific. It also says as well, so NHS resolution, um, and they're the people that I think it's an organisation looking into uh, uh, the neglect. Uh, latest annual account show that a total of 2.6 billion was spent on clinical negligence payments, up from 2.4 billion in 2001, 2000. That, 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 so that's on top of um, just the ones for the brain damage. And I was just going to say, Honestly, uh, I, it was like some comedy yesterday. I had to go and have my eye checked. Um, and uh, th th so um, it was in a department. So you had a uh, eye emergency and a normal eye department. It, it comedy of errors is just if the if this is what maternity places are like i dread to think how much negligence is actually happening at the moment i mean it, it, there were there weren't they had booked so many appointments in people couldn't even sit down um we had this older couple who we let give our our seats up uh in the end i said to them how long have you been there here they said oh an hour i said i think it's probably best you go and check they hadn't even been checked in and we looked around and i'm not joking I really am meaning this. This this receptionist, and she was morbidly obese, was had fallen asleep at reception on her, literally her kept falling down like this with her mm. head on her boobs like a boob pillow. And I said to the older couple, she, they said she's been doing that for half an hour. We think she's been drinking. And I tried to get a picture. At that. I mean, I, it's like you wouldn't even believe that if I said that, would you? And I'm so gutted <laughs> I didn't take a video or anything of it. This, she could have this, suffocated. This, <laughs> 
she was i mean we were in like hysterics but it isn't funny i mean luckily it is just an eye department but really i'm thinking if if this is happening in maternity mm. units if, if the mm-hmm. lack of staff and stuff you know and uh, it says here um so helen neville deputy head of clinical negligence at a law form she says you know trusts at shrewsbury nottingham east kent uh we've covered these before um as well all those problems in those maternity units um so this this uh, uh we're talking about payouts here there are more problems than we're seeing these are only the payouts that we're seeing there are massive problems um in all over the country with a, a lack of midwives uh, a lack of funding and staff in maternity units um and i, I dread to think how many children um uh, are struggling now because of negligence within the nhs at that level yeah and it's the numbers uh, nhs resolutions latest annual accounts show that a total of 2.6 billion pounds was spent on clinical negligence payments uh, in 2022 to 2023 up from 2.4 billion in 2021-22 so there's all these categories as well not like the the initial story here was to do with children that were injured whenever uh you know birth in the process of birth but here we have here nhs resolution paying out 2.6 billion on clinical negligence just last year alone, which has increased from the previous year. So we're not talking about, you know, £120,000 claims, which is all they're paying out for the the, the 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 survivors of the AstraZeneca job, for example. We're talking about billions here, and we're talking about billions being paid out year after year after year. Imagine that for the last five years. That's £10 billion approximately. What could they have done with that money? How many hospitals could they have built with that money? How many actually qualified nurses and competent yeah. individuals could they have recruited with £10 billion? Instead, they're paying it out to people as compensation for subpar performances in the hospitals themselves. It's just like but, a vicious circle. But if the problem is they're not taking any accountability or responsibility, they're paying these out almost begrudgingly. They're not actually saying, look, we've made some massive mistakes here. With it, lessons need to be learned. They're not doing that, are they? They're, they're no. basically almost going, oh, hush it up, brush it under the carpet, pay it out. Let's try and not make uh, the headlines. And, and, and let's take, uh, uh, you know, Pfizer and Moderna. They're not even paying out on those uh those vaccine injuries, uh, those of AstraZeneca, at least it's being looked into. So you're talking all that negligence. That doesn't even include many people that come forward because there are a lot of people that trust in the authorities and doctors and nurses so much. They don't even believe that they're that it's them that's done anything wrong. So um, I think that figure should be much, much higher. And I don't blame anyone uh, for going and getting uh, uh, that money if they need it. If their life has been ruined by the NHS, Rick, I would I would go do it with you i would go uh, claim for compensation yeah you know i have a friend that i've talked about before i'm not going to mention his name but when he was yeah. very young he was undiagnosed with a certain condition that led to a catastrophic brain injury and now you know his life was uh, ruined at age 21 he was in the absolute prime of his life and he's an absolute trooper he's an absolute battler he's you know in his 50s now but uh, he had the battle long and hard to get compensated for negligence by his uh, so-called doctors that left him in a, a terrible condition, likely for the rest of his natural life. So it does happen, uh, and it does happen a lot more frequently, we think. And one of the things is too, Natalie, 
we don't hear about a lot of these cases is because when these large amounts of money are paid out uh, to settle cases, there's usually a gagging clause in with that too, that yeah. you can't go public or you can't discuss information with anybody else. So what we're actually hearing here about yeah. these kids is the tip of the iceberg potentially. How many more cases have been settled with uh, uh, an order to say that if you get this money, you have to sign a legal agreement that you can't discuss it with anybody. You can't say that we were negligent in one thing and another. It's, normally uh, it's hard to believe. If you settle out of court as well, doesn't it? So normally mm. when you settle out of court, that automatically comes with a gagging agreement normally. Yep. Uh, so I'm assuming that's with a lot of them. I've actually had a lot of people say to me, for those of you that know, the NHS butchered uh, my ankles mm. as a child. Um, mm. I've got like massive, I mean, that's where all my headaches come from, the problem with my eye. Uh, is it, And a lot of people have said, you should uh, go back for compensation. Mm. Um, for me, I mean, I, uh, some people say, I think it's too late now anyway. It was like 30, over 30 years ago. Mm. Uh, but it, it, it it's not life-threatening in the same way like your friend was. I mm. think for me, the real people that need compensation are those that need uh, like treatment every single day. They struggle to get through their life um, because the NHS um, has literally wrecked any chance they've got of a normal life so yeah I'm, i've not gone for conversation but and i'm just one of those people as well to add to the add to, add to the growing list of negligence rick yeah that's a third category i suppose the category of people that maybe could go for uh compensation but don't yeah. because it's been so long ago you just don't want the hassle the aggravation you don't feel maybe that your case is bad enough that you should be going out to get it so how many people fall into that yeah, uh, category exactly. as well Stunning uh, to think about, uh, you know, and we'll have to give props. We'll have to give props because the NHS has saved my miserable ass on more than one occasion when I've been extremely ill. And the same with you, they've provided you with some welcome yes, uh, medical interventions. However, you know, it's almost uh, the yin and yang. Uh, there's a lot of people dying and getting uh, butchered out there uh, in that organization too. So I don't know if that'll ever be addressed, not that'll ever be fixed, uh, but fingers crossed uh, it'll improve going into next year. Uh, let's move along. There's another uh, interesting story here. And to the extent that when you think about your information being shared, you know, that's nothing new. Uh, people are monitoring us everywhere that we go. They're monitoring online chats. They're doing all sorts of things. Uh, various uh, you know, government units are monitoring dissenters. But there's a revelation here that data from UK anti-radicalization scheme, PREVENT, so there's a scheme called PREVENT, is being shared with ports and airports. So personal details from voluntary uh, programs sent secretly without consent to government departments and border agencies documents show. Now, what that basically means is, if you're traveling through an airport, or you're traveling through a port, just minding your own business, you haven't done anything wrong, you don't even have a criminal record, uh, word could get out that Natalie Chiel's on the ferry from Larne to Stranraer and you know, Ireland to Scotland, and uh, she should be picked up on arrival because she could be a little bit of a troublemaker. She's got a history of criticizing the government online. So why share it with ports and border authorities when you maybe haven't never committed a crime, you've no intention of committing any crime, just your views are unacceptable, that could get you collared at the port, held up and detained for questioning before you're let go on your merry way. Is that not the rattle cages even further still? It's just to me, it's against, we, we talk about human rights a lot on this on this show and uh, that the government talk about them a lot, but it's completely against what should be your basic human rights. You're, the, you're 
basically they're saying you're guilty without even a, having any type of court case. Uh, yeah, guilty until proven innocent. Um, uh, but what is prevent is because uh, I didn't really or hadn't heard of it before. Uh, the state, uh, the stated aim of prevent, which is a voluntary program, is to divert people away from terrorism before they offend. Most people do not even know that they have been referred, with about 95% of cases resulting in no further action. So basically what it means is uh, most uh uh, referrals come from schools uh, so people are just making phone calls about people putting them on this terrorism list and it's getting shared with the police it's getting shared with airports these people can be completely and utterly innocent and they've done nothing wrong and then they're on this basically blacklist uh to me does that does that sound does that sound fair to you i mean at least if you're going to be put on it shouldn't you be told at some point uh by the way we believe you to be a terrorist and we're sharing your name as a terrorist around all of our organizations and authorities but apparently not apparently that's that that that's deemed completely and utterly acceptable well check this out i have experience of this way back in the 90s and anyone from northern ireland uh, will have the same experience that if you flew from uh the north of ireland or northern ireland to england scotland or wales on a domestic flight when you arrived there was always a police checkpoint set up there to 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 give an eye over all the passengers that were coming from Northern Ireland, because of course uh, we could all have been potential terrorists in their eyes. And uh, there was always two desks uh, with two very burly cops sitting there giving everybody the evil eye. And if they didn't like the look of you when you arrived, you were pulled to the side, asked to identify yourself, even though you'd went through airport security and scanned your passport or showed your passport. And then if they wanted to, they could hold you and grill you there as to what your business is, where are you going to, what are you going to do, where do you live back home? Literally an interrogation for no reason, only simply because you were coming from Northern Ireland. So many a time I was pulled to the side because I always looked a little bit uh, dodgy, as you can imagine, when I used to get off those planes and usually I was traveling alone. So yeah, uh, I was at the end of those uh, more than once. And that was again, just discrimination based on, I don't like the look of that guy and I don't like where he's coming from. Now this is almost being replaced by, well, I don't like what she says on social media and I don't like her attitude towards the government. Yeah. She could be a terrorist in the making, which of course, you're not, uh, but it doesn't stop them from trying these things anyway, does it? Yeah. And to give people an idea about numbers, it says the latest referral figures show that 6,817 people referred to prevent between April 2022 and March 2023. So the majority of those people will have absolutely no idea they're on that list. Um, and it can come from anybody. I could phone up. I, and this is the problem with these type of things as well. If I wanted revenge on someone, Rick, Technically, mm -hmm. I could phone them up to anyone tomorrow, couldn't I? And say, mm -hmm. I suspect, I suspect this nasty person downstairs, my neighbour, I think he's a terrorist. I think he's doing this and this and this. And then you could be added to this, this, this sudden list. There's no, there's no, there's, there's literally no explanation about how you get on it or how you get off it. So uh, normally there has to be laws about this type of thing. But uh, normally as well, I think I heard was that once they use the word terrorism, uh, it, it, it stops them um, having to be accountable again. It's terrorism, Rick. So uh, they can do what they like. Mm, they can do what they like, or at least they can try to. Anyway, so just watch out for prevent uh, collaring you at any local port or airport based on something you might have put up on a Facebook page or an Instagram post. It's coming to Maybe we're on the list, Rick. Maybe we're I would be shocked 
I would be shocked if we weren't. I would be disappointed if we weren't on that list, to be quite honest, after all the effort that we've put in uh, <laughs> over the last two years. But we've got to take a break right now. And when we come back, I have several more stories to cover off before the top of the hour. So please stay tuned for more here on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility, you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, Ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, Did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From aginstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing. Nurturing rescuing, honoring, protecting, caring, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes across all missions has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, Natalie, I'll throw this one over to you here. We can either go with Vatican's trial of the century or uh, bosses of Morrison's deliver a stark burning candle warning to all members of staff. Which one do you want to go for? Oh, it's difficult. So I'll I'll just quickly go uh, into it. I mean, we know the Vatican's corrupt, but basically uh, this is the first time that that, that we've seen that they've actually got a lawsuit. Uh, the Pope has has to come in and allow a cardinal to uh, be charged with financial problems. But to be honest, let's let's be honest. W- we all knew the Vatican was about as corrupt as you get anyway. So uh, it's just kind of adding to what we already know. If I go then to the Morrison story. Um, Basically, somebody's had to come in, a big private equity group uh, in 2021 to try and save it. It looks like they are not doing a very good job so far. He's uh, come out with a statement to all the staff 
yesterday saying if you want this to survive, uh, well, I don't really realize how are they going to work much harder. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if you come in and do your shift, what are they supposed to do? Stand around and, uh, you know, go around people and try force things in their trolleys. I don't know, really, you know, how much harder <laughs> can they possibly work? It's uh, uh, it a really good idea. You could actually have them. Let's, you know where there's a mystery shopper where they go around and assess? You could actually have someone who runs around with a trolley full of stuff and as they pass someone else who's buying something, just <laughs> drop a can of baked beans in there. That would boost profits like crazy. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, <laughs> mystery shopper with the trolley. But uh, the issues, it says, surrounding Morrison's date back to 2021. Um, and uh, th- I'm trying to think here. The deal left Morrison's needing to pay 400 million of annual interest payments off. Um, and uh, this year, their profits don't even cover enough to pay part of that bill. So uh, it is a real, real genuine problem. And it looks like uh, if they don't get it sorted, they genuinely have a chance like Wilco's of going bust. That's over 100,000 jobs. And we got a massive Morrison's and Reading. Um, I think that's going to make a massive difference to the UK economy. Um, you know, if that's a if that's another uh, supermarket to go, it also, I would say, is a sign of the times, wouldn't you, Rick? Uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking here too that the, the worst case scenario here, just on a human level, is that they do go bust and so many people could potentially be out of a job here. But all I'm thinking is too, not just as you're talking about the how, how grim it is financially there for Morrison's, Tesco are doing brilliant at the minute, Sainsbury's are doing well, Marks and Spencer's is going through the roof at the minute. They've all rebranded, they've all got new management, then they've all uh, had a shake up on a good analysis of where things are going. So the question is, is this a problem with the brand of Morrison's, which I don't think it is, or is it a problem with absolutely appalling management? So there's a guy here pictured uh, in this news article uh, grinning like a Cheshire cat. Uh, his name is Rami Battier, who it says here switched Paris for Bradford as he joined Morrison's from the French giant Carrefour. Carrefour. So I don't know whether or not moving from Paris to Bradford has had a very negative effect on Morrison's because the new chief executive officer uh, is running the country company into the ground or not. But I would say with most of these companies, if they have good, strong management at the top levels and they're on the ball with regards to finances, they can make these stores profitable. Look at the footfall. Imagine that one that you're talking about in Reading. What must the footfall be like there? Oh, How much money huge. is going through it's those tills now? Store. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, it does say part of the problem is that um, it's come out of the industry's big four. Now, it doesn't state the industry's big four, but I'm thinking it's Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda and Aldi have come in. Yeah. So uh, Aldi have come in and overtaken Morrison's. And they're saying a lot of the money that people were spending on Morrison's is now being spent at Aldi. So like you said, you know, it, it's up to really the people running it. Uh, to come in and and make uh, uh, make a difference. Uh, it does say that uh, what they're thinking of doing is take making uh, big price cuts in order to get sales rise and get a bigger footfall coming in. They've also got some plans uh, to take over some petrol stations because Morrison do a lot of petrol stations. Uh, but either way, you know, it it could go either way if a lot of the other stores are doing so well. Uh, but you know what people are like? They like their routine. If they've decided to go to a new supermarket, can they get pulled back to Morrison's? I guess that's the challenge. Uh, but either, you know, either way as well with the economy, we know uh, uh, <laughs> 
it's a bit like Taco Bell, isn't it? The uh, demolition man. Is it that we're yeah. heading to a point where uh, Morrison's will go, but Tesco yeah. will reign? You know, oh, mm -hmm. it are. You know, is it that we're just going to have these big, big commercial firms and these smaller businesses and places like Morrison's will end up like Wilco's uh, being? Uh, liquidated or going bankrupt in the end we shall see 2024 is going to have a lot of answers for us i think i think it will and you know what there's room there is room for all of these supermarkets to operate because they've been doing it for what 50 100 years or more uh, and of course competition eats into profits but at the same time these people aren't daft they know when they open a store up they'll check out the area they'll check out what the footfall could be they'll check out what the competition is in the area they're not going to open side by side by side and of course people have their favorites so some people gravitate more to tesco than the sainsbury's some people will never be seen in a morrison's they might go to aldi instead so they do have like, uh, a, how would you say, a loyal customer base. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, they're not just driven by, you know, they're the cheapest on the market. People just say, well, look, it's around the corner. I've always went there. I know where everything is. And, you know, I feel comfortable. They'll keep going. So they must have, Morrison's must have a huge uh, loyal customer base here. So bearing all that in mind here, I would say if they do want to survive into 2024 and beyond, they're going to have to have a serious shakeup at management level because otherwise uh yeah they're going to go under and the, the, the chief execs will do well probably they'll get a golden uh, handshake on the way out or a golden exit payment but the average worker that's stuck in the shelf that's being told you're going to have to do more what are they going to get except for maybe a pittance of a redundancy and no job nothing exactly that and then what happens when a hundred thousand people are looking um and a already saturated unemployed market uh just a bloke who asked question says as a non-supermarket user i'd like to think that folks are turning to independence but maybe that's delusional i'd like to think so too um i mean i think more people should use small businesses um yeah. and uh you know food markets and all of those type of things if we can and little carol's just come into the online oh. chat everybody and said morning everyone so if you didn't hear earlier carol uh rick gave you a message because we hadn't seen you in a while and said we hope you have a lovely christmas and uh it's lovely to see you this morning yeah that's great actually i don't know if you were listening earlier on carl but yeah uh we were talking earlier on uh, in the week natalie and i about having year-end awards we're maybe going to have a little session on friday morning where right, we give yeah. an honorable shout out to the craziest story and the the, the most manic yep. live chat inhabitant although that's going to be a tough one to narrow down uh but yeah uh, yep. well, we're going to give you an honorable mention in there too also just uh while we're on it just as the show comes to an end I suppose just spending time uh saying thank you to you guys there in the live chat uh, Daniel Maslin, uh, also Mogden is in there. Uh, Jethro is still in there. Uh, a lot of people leaving messages here. Um, let me see. Yeah, uh, Daniel says, yes, I reckon, Natalie, you would be on any prevent list. Uh, there is an AI algorithm for that. Um, once upon a time, you could do what you wanted, provided there wasn't a law against it. Today, we're moving towards being allowed to do nothing unless there is a law permitting it. That's a very good uh, point there. Just the book who asks questions is you now have to have a law to permit you doing something rather than a, a freedom to do whatever you want. Dud says, Morrison's here are depressing places to shop. I don't know. I don't think we have any Morrisons uh, in Ireland, uh, at least nowhere you, close to where I live. What's so depressing about Morrisons? Why, why is it so bad? Do you know what so I liked about it, though? Do you know what I liked about it? That 
um do you remember the old supermarkets tesco doesn't have it anymore like you could go to the back and they had a deli and they had you could mm. buy fresh cheese and you mm -hmm. could buy fish and you could buy chicken that had been roasted or hot My, the morrison's and reading still has that mm. all at the back like a proper mm. and i like like how i remember mm. not tesco not any of those so so maybe maybe i should start popping to morrison's although it's out of my way a bit but but yeah at least they've got like more traditional like the the bits at the back where you can actually talk to people as well face to face yeah. which is so basically the the deli counters is where it's all at and i remember probably one of the honorable mentions for a story this year you were on about how much you love cheese you remember that we're going to yeah. get rid of cardboard cheese packaging earlier on in the year and replace it with Hamburg, plastic yeah. that you sent you into an absolute tailspin and who can forget of course yeah. the phasing out of the Carmack bars and animal bars earlier on this year oh i think we need a five we've got a lot to on recap to on friday yeah all the mental stories from this year but yeah it's all good and yes uh, uh holly's in there too holly's still listening in but she's grafting away holly never stops she's painting and decorating i think she was one of the first people ever to buy merchandise actually from the tnt store she slapped them on her car and she was wearing uh, tnt merch and whatever house she goes into to work i believe correct me if i'm wrong holly she always has tnt radio blasting out uh in these uh, essex houses that she goes into to paint and the upper Holly's class Exposing them, exposing yeah. the little bit of rough, which is TNT radio, and I mean that in the best way possible. And also, Stunt Monkey says, don't forget Asda, all is halal. Little Carl, <laughs> nice to see you in here as well. So, yeah, a lot to cover here this morning. Too much uh, to cover, so little time, but listen, we're doing our best. Natalie, we're up to the top of the show here, so we've got to call it time. I'll be back after the news with uh, Gemma. Phil Zimmerman and Darren Denzel. So please stay tuned for Locked and Loaded here on TNT Radio.